If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Humans Vexus Manchester with me, Clint Boone. Every week we celebrate the spirit of Manchester by talking to somebody who's helped shape the city or been inspired by the city in some way. This week I'm joined by charity fundraiser, fashion show producer and board member for the Teenage Cancer Trust, Margot Cornish. Margot talks about why she dedicates her time to raising money for charity. I wouldn't say I was, I was bored, but I wasn't your typical corporate wife. I still had a bit of drive and energy and I wanted to do something. I say, I'm a mover and shaker, not a can shaker. I don't <laughs> like shaking can't. You've got to give people something other than just shaking a can in their face. She'll also tell us about meeting Ariana Grande whilst working for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I was completely bowled over by how generous and how lovely she was. It's an honour and a pleasure to welcome to the studio a woman whose devotion to helping various charities has raised vast amounts of money over recent years. I'm talking hundreds of thousands of pounds. Originally from Glasgow, 
Uh, she's a great example of someone who wasn't born here, but she's most definitely been drawn here. Uh, she is Margot Cornish. Welcome to Excess Manchester. How are you? Thanks, Clint. I'm good. I'm uh, good. I'm delighted to be here. I was just saying you look very comfy over there. You look very, I am. Uh, very, get a nice uh, cup of tea. And yeah. I feel very relaxed. I should get you a little, uh, what they call it? They used to call it a poof when I was a kid. You want to put your feet on? A puffy. A puffy. Is that what you call it in Scotland? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, in Scotland. It's a little puffy. My granny had yeah, one. Yeah, a puff. <laughs> Mother of four currently residing in Pressbury, and uh, you came here because of your husband's work. We'll talk about Charlie in a moment because he's a bit of a. Do we need to? Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> we do. But he's to blame for bringing you down here. But Certainly let's talk is. about you growing up in the Glasgow. Whereabouts were you born? When were you born? I was born in the, the early 60s. I don't want anyone doing any arithmetic here. <laughs> early 60s in a place called Shettleson, which is. I was born in a tenement building, like right. many Glaswegians were, yeah. and I grew up. There and I remember I was like the. Do you remember the the song you can't fling pieces at a twenty story flat? That was no. exactly. I don't know that one. <laughs> I won't sing it. Well, <laughs> anyone that's Scottish will obviously right. associate with that song. It's seven. Is it seven thousand hungry wains will testify to that? Right. <laughs> it's where you used to go and play downstairs in the the yard, and if you were hungry, you didn't have to go way back up the stairs. Your mum would throw a would throw, throw the food <laughs> throw out the, the window. Out. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I was the kind of child I wasn't out and played all day, had no worries and had a great, great childhood. Was it a working class family? Absolutely. My um, mum was a school auxiliary, my dad was a joiner. Right, okay. Were they a bit, a bit of a weird question? Were they like of a socialist sort of background? Were they? Absolutely. Yeah, because absolutely that... still are. They're still here. I mean, they're in their nineties, both together, living together in a in, in a fabulous care home and um, just outside Glasgow. And I go home and visit them very frequently. Yeah. The reason I ask you that, cause I don't ask that to many people about the the, the politics in the family home as a kid, but. The work you've done, not only you ended up doing some amazing work with the NHS and then everything you've done since you retired from the day job, if you like, the the charity work you do, it's like, you'd struggle to find politicians that do so much great work for the man on the street as you do. So it's it's brilliant that you're coming to see us. So a happy childhood in Glasgow. What point did uh, you meet Charlie, your husband? You've oh got, right! Um, you're going was, to hate to keep mentioning it. Right? Everyone <laughs> thinks we met at university, but right. we didn't. <laughs> we actually met in a nightclub right. in Glasgow um, called the Ultratech. Right, I don't know. And that. I went there. I, I wasn't supposed to be there that night, but I don't, something our plans changed, and I accidentally ended up at this nightclub. And it was really strange because as soon as I saw him, I sort of knew something. Right. And I thought I had this little thing in my head saying, "You, you, you really—that's that's the one." And I felt really, and I said, not now. How I'm only you? 19. You're 19, Not right? now, not right. now. <laughs> Amazing. And I was right. It's funny that. I'll never, ever understand it. One of my favourite places in the world is a, a club in uh, Glasgow, Barrowlands. Mm. We've done a lot of gigs with my band over the years, and all the bands, everybody in Britain that I know in, in a band, that's their favourite gig. Been there. Yeah. Have you been, have you been and watched bands there? Yeah, I've watched yeah. a few bands there, um, you know, in, when I was younger. Don't don't ask me to. <laughs> them, but yeah, I've definitely been there. So your nightclubbing days are over now, are they? Um, yeah, I would say so. But you do put on some amazing nighttime events, which we'll talk about, these balls that you do that create this uh, loads of money for charity. So you and Charlie met. You were working at the NHS, were you then, or did, you, did that come later? Oh, that came later. Um, I worked for Scottish and Newcastle breweries then. Then I ended up at the the council, Renfrew District Council, where yeah. I was in, it was always HR. My my degree was in business studies, specialising in labour studies. So I went on to uh, have a career in HR. Um, worked in the, the, the Scottish Newcastle breweries as a graduate trainee, then went to Renfrewshire District Council and then worked in the NHS and worked my way up 
to where I ended up before yeah. I, I left. What was your job title at the I end? I was a senior HR manager in charge of recruitment for one of the biggest NHS trusts in Glasgow. Did Doctors, you enjoy that work? Nurses. Yes, I yeah. loved it. Are you still a big fan of the NHS? Absolutely. Yeah, aren't we all? Absolutely. And you met Charlie, decided to move to Manchester for his work. Is that right? Because he got Well, we we sort of set up home together in Hamilton originally, and then we moved to a place called Streven. We've got four children. We've got twins. um, They came along first. And then we had two daughters, boy and a girl, and then two daughters. And we lived and worked in round about the Glasgow area until 2002. How old are the kids now then? How old are they now? Yeah. Oh, well, twins are now 27. Right. Both still, they're all, everyone's in Manchester. It's quite right. strange. I thought you were going to say they're all at home. They're yeah. all, well, they're they moved all out. at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, the twins are 27. Yeah. Um, Katie is um, 23 and Fiona, the youngest, she's 20. She's at university. Brilliant. But they're all, they all keep gravitating back home uh, yeah. for some reason. That's what it's all about, isn't it? When you moved to Manchester eventually, did you fall in love with the place or did you come here a bit reluctantly? <laughs> oh, reluctantly at first, because when we moved from Straven down, to, we moved down to a place called Henley and Thames. Now, everyone knows Henley and Thames is beautiful, little, gorgeous little town on the Thames. And the kids were all happy, settled in school. And then Charlie dropped a bombshell. We're moving back up north. And everybody was saying to me, oh, you'll be really glad you'll be moving up nearer, nearer Scotland, you're right. moving up nearer home. And I'm going, no, I was trying to move the other way. Right. <laughs> no, not because I don't like Scotland, just because I was enjoying my lifestyle and the sun and the better weather. Yeah. Um, so we, obviously it was the right thing to do. So I just had to grit my teeth yeah. and move up here. We found it a wee bit difficult at first to find somewhere to stay. Um, schools for the kids were a wee bit difficult. Anyway, eventually we settled in an absolutely gorgeous little uh, chocolate box village just uh, in Cheshire called Presbury yeah. and within spitting distance of Manchester, which is great. And yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I feel very, I feel as if I'm an adopted Mancunian now. I wouldn't go anywhere else. I think there's always been a, a real affinity be, between Mancunians and Glaswegians. I'm not just saying that because you sat there, but there's always been a, a very strong link, I think, between the... Uh, the two cities and the people from those places. I've always felt that. Absolutely. Let's talk briefly about Charlie's job. He's currently the CEO of Manchester Airport. Group. Is that right? Big job, <laughs> big job in it. <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> Do you see much of him or what? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right. He's busy during the week. I always say about Charlie's, he's really busy during the week. But at the weekends, he's there. And he's, he was, even when the kids were growing up, he was always there during the, the weekends for the kids. During the week when the kids was growing up, it was quite, it was different because he was really, really busy. And everyone at the school thought I was a single parent because I used to come along to the, all the parents' nights on my own because he was maybe abroad or doing something. But yes, he's always, be, he's always been very present in the children's life, even though he's, been, he's a busy guy. And from day one of you moving here, you pretty much got involved with the, not just local charities, some big national sort of uh, charity brands that you would recognise the name yeah, of. You, from day one, what inspired you to do that? Well, the kids started to grow up <laughs> and I started to, I wouldn't say I was, I was bored, but I wasn't your typical corporate wife. I still had a bit of drive and energy and I wanted to do something. So I thought, well, maybe the, the best thing for me to look at is charity work. So that's, I came, I stumbled upon the charity called the Make-A-Wish Foundation yeah. and I became what we call a wish fairy. Right. which meant I would go and visit um, <clears throat> young kids who had life-threatening illnesses 
and make their one true wish come true with the help of obviously the people at the charity. Yeah. So that was very rewarding. And that's is that a national or is it international charity? I think it's an international yeah. charity, but obviously, yeah, it's oh yeah, it's definitely an international charity because I have helped with children from abroad that have came here with their wishes. Right, brilliant. I've done some work with the Stockport branches also. I know they do fantastic work. Runway on the runway was an ingenious thing that you came up with as well. That's still in effect, isn't it? In fact, you've got a big 80s party coming up this year, haven't you? Yeah, well, basically, it was through the Make-A-Wish Foundation that I came across lots of young girls that were going through treatment. For cancer? For cancer. And having three amazing daughters myself, I couldn't think of anything worse Mm. to have to, you know, at that point in their life. Because, as you know, young girls know, they like to take selfies, they like to be on social media. The social life is very important. And when these girls were going through treatment, they're isolated because yeah. they can't really be, you know, go back to school because of the risk of infection with their treatment. They're maybe In some cases, their hair was falling out. They were on horrible steroided drugs and chemotherapy. And they just felt really isolated. And I couldn't think of anything worse. Mm. And I remember when all the girls had to go to their prom and this was a very exciting time for them and I thought how would the how do these young girls feel at that point in their life having to um, think about going to prom or not going to prom so I wanted to do something to highlight the the the, the situation with with these young 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 girls but also the other really important thing for me is when I did a wish and when I went to talk to these young people it became very clear that there's always there was always a theme. Mm. I went to the doctor how many times before they would take me seriously, before they would give me a blood test. They said it was growing pains. They said it was, you know, it was just like puberty. And then eventually, so many months later, they took us seriously and sent, you know, and they got a diagnosis. Right. So what I really wanted to do is do something that... Um, raise awareness of cancer in young people as well as raise money for the Teenage Cancer Trust because when these people, when these young people um, get ill, it's not right to put them into a children's ward and it's not right to put them into an adult ward. They need to be in a specialised, focused environment that is geared towards their needs um, as opposed to, you know, things like having pizza nights together, talking to the young people that are going through the same treatment and getting the right type of support. Yeah. So I was really passionate about making sure that that could happen. Yeah, and Runway on the Runway is actually it's, it's a genius thing. This is It's actually at Manchester Airport. They've got one of the original Concorde aeroplanes in a big... Uh, hangar. Hangar, yeah. And it's a conference centre. So you came up with the idea of doing a, a fashion show underneath the Concorde, which is why it's runway on the runway. The fashion show raises money for some of these charities you just mentioned. But then you came up with the idea of the Cinderella project as well, which is equally ingenious. Which is so these young young ladies you talk about here when it comes to prom time, they, they do go to the ball. You open you style them, you dress them, you get the makeup sorted out, you take them shopping or the charity yeah. does the Cinderella project. Yeah, it's hard for them. It's hard for their mums as well. Because one of the mums told me it's hard enough. You know, taking a young girl, and I know this from my own daughters, to pick a dress. But think about taking your daughter, but someone who feels bad about themselves that they don't look good in the first place. And factor in the mother and daughter relationship. Mm. (laughs) So it's easier for to have someone else step in and help them with that. And I just want, because they are in a situation where they felt really bad about themselves, I just wanted to make sure that they have... And they had access to everything, to the best hairdresser, the best beauticians and the best dresses. Yeah. And I wanted to make them 
feel like Cinderella. And the other thing you're doing a lot of is that you're on the board at Maggie's. Maggie's, Maggie's in Centre. Manchester, yeah. Christie. Does that take up much of your time doing that? It does sometimes. <laughs> Last year, in 2018, it took up a lot of my time because I had, because of the runway and the runway, um, the success of that, I decided that maybe we should do a similar fashion show. But the difference was, we would runway and the runway involve schools. Maggie's in the runway, all the, the models are all people, men and women, uh, that are going through treatment for cancer. Oh. So that was my way. I'm on the fundraising board for Maggie's Manchester. Yeah. And I just thought it'd be a, a really lovely way to raise money, but also... I think sometimes one of the good things for doing this this type of event is you have people that are going through treatment and some of it some of the treatment is very current and it takes it takes the mind off the treatment and it gives them something else to focus on yeah. and in addition to that it raises lots of money for the charity last I think 2018 we raised 225,000 wow. pounds from the one event we had the the afternoon um, fashion show but the good thing about it is we sort of flipped it over and we had the gala ball in the evening so we're really getting two bites at the cherry for Amazing. the obviously the one fixed cost and the latest charity thing you're involved with breastfest 2019 which is launching in october it is i'm really excited we've about got that. mugs we've got mugs here with the logo on it oh uh, uh, yeah breast fest <laughs> i'm really excited about right, that i like the booby as well booby yeah booby yeah booby. Ruby's lovely. Pink did you come with that? Yeah. <laughs> it's a little, for those that are listening without the uh, the visual image, it's a bee uh, with a bra. Has it got a bra on it? Yeah, yeah. she's got. <laughs> I didn't want, when we came up with the idea for Booby, I didn't want her, her to be a sort of comic figure. Yeah. I wanted to be a powerful image that would um, raise awareness and just engage women. And because, I mean, there's some really interesting statistics around Manchester, they're very gripping. Um, the reason I got involved with Prevent Breast Cancer is because when I was doing the Maggie's event, I became a bit unsettled about the number of women, young women, them, women that had no sort of previous history of breast cancer in the family, women that looked after themselves, they're fit and they're healthy, and they were going through treatment for breast cancer. And it started mm. to make me think really uh, long and hard, and I had a bit of an epiphany myself. And I was approached by the charity Prevent Breast Cancer, which are based in the Nightingale Centre at Withenshaw Hospital. And they asked me if I would consider being involved with a charity event this year. And I just decided once I thought about it and I decided to cancel my year off <laughs> and throw myself into this project, mainly because I had three friends that I lost Really? through breast cancer and I sort of felt that it was the right thing to do this year. Is it a, a fact that this this part of the, the UK isn't very breast aware as you call no, it? In terms no. of, is that, is that, that shocked me. Yeah. That really shocked me. I found out that, for example, women over 50 who are called for screening, the national average for, um, well, the national average is 70% women attending their screening. It should be 100, but it is 70. In Manchester, we're, we're more than 10% below that. That's not right. Right. That's not good. So the whole idea of the, the Breastfest 2019, the main, obviously, you're going to raise some funds, but the main thing is awareness, isn't it? Awareness, yeah. Pre if you catch, I mean, breast cancer is curable if you catch it early. Yeah. And we need to, what 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 it made me think about is, and what we want the, the women of Manchester to know is that there is no woman that has 0% risk of, of breast cancer. And we want to give them a new mindset about reducing the risk and a toolkit 
for reducing the risk. So we've got some really, really good events coming up. We're working towards October where we're hoping to turn Manchester pink. What about the booby buzz as well? They've got a big buzz, a big pink buzz that's coming to Manchester. The big pink bus. The bus. buzz. The buzz. buzz. Oh, that's right. I'm from Oldham. Oh, I'm so excited it. about this. The buzz. Right. The, the big pink booby bus is it's a, a bus that will be going throughout Greater Manchester for the whole of October from the 1st to the 31st. And we are going to areas where they, we know that there is a high percentage of female footfall. And on that bus, we will have some of what I call my pink boobies, who are women that have all went through treatment for breast cancer, and they will be going out and telling other women to come along and find out more on the bus about breast health and how to reduce the risk of breast cancer. And you hopefully will see it going through Manchester. And by the end of October, I want every woman in Manchester to have heard of booby, and I want Manchester to be the most aware city in the UK about breast cancer. Brilliant. And is the booby buzz sort of idea being done anywhere else in the UK? Or is no. This, this is unique, no. isn't it? I came up with the idea of Breastfest Manchester so that other cities can look at Manchester because people might, know, might not know this, but the work that's been done at the Nightingale is really cutting-edge um, scientific research to which focuses on preventing breast cancer happening in the first place. There is only 4% of the money spent in cancer research goes into prevention a lot. I didn't know that until I actually started to um, find out more about the, the charity. So, our, you know, the aim of Prevent is to stop it happening in the first place. And they are doing so much fantastic work here in Manchester. So we want to showcase Manchester as being pioneering in this area. Yeah, we're a city that very often leads away and thankfully people like yourself make that happen in this uh, this city of ours so great work does the generosity of people in this part of the world take your breath away sometimes absolutely everyone said to me that it's really hard to raise money out with london i don't agree with that right. i see myself as a bit of a high octane <laughs> charity campaigner and my, my hashtag is more than fundraising i say i'm a mover and shaker not a can shaker i don't <laughs> like shaking can't you've got to give people something other than just shaking a can in their face one of the things that I think I would say is my forte is that I like to create a platform because I'm all for altruism I think there's room for it in everyone's life but not everyone has the same time or the opportunity to do it so what I hopefully do is create a platform for people to jump on and jump off and do their thing for charity that's it, if you create an event that's entertaining as well as for a great cause. Well, like you said, £200,000 at one event, it's amazing, isn't it? So there is a lot of generous people around. Let's talk about some of your celebrity mates. And you, uh, I saw that you were hanging out with Rick Astley. Oh, yes, Rick's <laughs> lovely. I met Rick and his lovely wife, Lena, um, in 2014 when we were raising money for Teenage Cancer Trust. We had our first fly back to the 80s ball and I actually think Rick had such a good time at it. <laughs> Not only did he perform, but I think he enjoyed it as well. Yeah. And he said to me, his parting words was, here's my number, just give us a shout whenever you need me again. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and when I went to do the Maggie's uh, event in 2016, the first one, he was top of my list because right. I, I just thought he was an absolutely amazing guy. Yeah. And when I phoned him, the first thing he said, well, 
what's Maggie's? <laughs> so I had to explain to him what Maggie's was. Yeah. And as soon as he knew what we were doing up here, he was completely on board. So he performed at the first 2016 Maggie's on the runway. And it was just at the time when he was releasing his comeback album, 50, which yeah. went on to be an absolute fantastic album. I think it was number one and did really, really well. I joked with him saying it was really down to us, Rick, you know, <laughs> that that album did so well. And when we kept working with Rick and we actually asked him to be one of our ambassadors for, for, for Maggie's Manchester, which he very we were very pleased when he, he accepted. Brilliant. And he came back in 2018, yes, and he still we're still working with Rick at Maggie's. And they love him. All, all the people that are going through treatment say, when's Rick coming back? When's Rick? Because he's such a nice guy and he really gets it. He's got a real passion for life as well. You just see it, it oozes out of him, doesn't it? I've so seen down so. to earth. It's so down to earth. Yeah. Let's talk about something else that's incredibly famous now, particularly in this city. She's got a real connection with us for uh, obvious reasons. You met Ariana Grande a year before the arena tragedy. Was it at the arena? It was at the arena. Um, I had to, I was asked to take a young girl from the Netherlands, a little girl called Noah, who, was, who has cystic fibrosis, to meet Ariana. And I was completely bowled over by how generous and how lovely she was and mm. the amount of time she actually took out to sit with Noah, to speak to her, to take selfies with her and to hug her and just to be... I mean, this girl had an absolute life-changing experience with Ariana. It was really absolutely fabulous to witness. It's genuine, isn't it? Whatever it says about her, the way she comes across, it's absolutely... It was. I mean, there's been times like before where I've taken kids to meet other people and it was just like in and out, you know? It's just... But the, the fact that she took so much time and was really very, very focused towards meeting that young girl's needs, absolutely. Does your husband, Charlie, because he's the boss of the airport and all that, does he ever go pulling celebrities up and they're walking through <laughs> arrivals like no. said, yeah, can we do some uh, some work for my wife's charity? No, he's completely... <laughs> he's, he, sometimes I think he gets embarrassed about it. Really? Because <laughs> everybody says, well, here's Margot coming duck. <laughs> 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 What's she going to ask us to do? Yeah, I think, you know, he, 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 is, he is great in terms of he's really, really supportive. He actually says to me, he thinks his, his role in my life is to come along to my balls and gala events and bids on the charity auctions. <laughs> So that's his role, but no, he's very, very supportive. He's a great figurehead for local business, and he's a big ambassador for the uh, what we call the Northern Powerhouse as well, isn't he? Yes, he is indeed. Do you yeah. think he'll ever get into politics? He's spoken about it. Has he? <laughs> and I've said absolutely not. I'm divorcing you if you go into politics, especially when you th when you look at what's going on at the moment. Right. I think the last place you want to be is politics. We need some good blood in there, though, don't we? Let's talk about Manchester then, this uh, beautiful city that you've uh, been drawn to, and it's your home now, isn't it? Do you, do you see it as a home, or do you still long for life in Glasgow? Absol absolutely. Anytime I go away, sometimes we go down to the big smoke. Can't wait to get back home. Can't wait. Well, home, I'm seeing Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> Manchester is my home. I can't actually see us leaving. And if we did, if anyway, we'd always have a base in Manchester. The kids have all gravitated back to Manchester. One of the older ones was down in London a few years. She's back now working in Manchester. Right. My middle one's just graduated as a doctor. She's coming back to work in Manchester. Brilliant. And I'm sure that the youngest one will come back. So I think we, we, I think we're now a very Mancunian, adopted Mancunian family. Have they got Mancunian? Accents or is there a... No, my youngest daughter has probably got the broadest Scottish accent, which really doesn't make sense because wow. she moved away when she was three. But the others, I think their accent's a bit hybrid now, I would say. And 
Charlie would always say that I still have the strongest Scottish accent, but it's not posh. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a friend from Oldham who, she moved to California with her family 30 years ago, and she's still got a really strong Oldham accent. Just never, never got away. You can't lose it. No. And I think when you find yourself in company with other Scots, everyone, their accent becomes stronger as, yeah. <laughs> as you start it? to speak to them. How would you describe the Manchester spirit then to people that have not been here? What What is it about the people? that? Oh, Manchester. I just love Manchester so much because it's one just one huge melting pot of diversity. The people are very much... When I moved down to, to Henley... One of the things that I didn't like was the, I didn't think the people were very sociable. Right. Whereas in Manchester, you could be standing somewhere in a queue and you could turn around. At least a person would speak back to you. Yeah. Whereas, you know, other other places, it's it's less likely. It's just that people are amazing. They're strong. They're hardworking. And it's just got such a fantastic vibe about it, Manchester. That's what I love about it. You put it perfectly there. Um, what are your favourite places to uh, like eat and go? You don't dance anymore, do you? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any favourite restaurants or parts of the city that oh, you love? Charlie and I are big fans of Wings. <laughs> right. We know Mr Wing quite well. Okay. I've been hanging out at the Ivy. It's just opened a few times. Yeah. We like that. But we, we, you, sometimes we, we, we hang around Presbury as well, Alderley Edge Presbury. But when we come to Manchester, it's always Wings or Ivy. We like. It's a beautiful part of the world, Presbury as well. It is. I wish I could live there, maybe one day. Stop what's good for now, though. <laughs> Before you go, Margot, I want to ask you a couple of things. I ask every guest at the end. One is, if I was to say to you, who are your favourite humans of Manchester, past or present, dead or alive? They don't have to be from Manchester. They can be people that have come here like yourself and done great work. Who would your favourite humans of Manchester be? Well, we spoke about Ariana. Ariana's great. Yeah. Perfect. And yeah, I, th- I, think, I think you were the first one to pick Ariana, and that's uh, yeah. lovely. I think in, ever since what happened in 2017... It's just from when I met her, I think it, it's just reinforced what what I actually thought about her when I met her. Yeah. There's another person that I will mention. It's a chap called Tony Collier. Tony has incurable prostate cancer and Tony has been so, so strong campaigning to raise awareness. Tony, I think it's Tony stays in Altrincham. I've been working very closely with him and it was him that actually was a catalyst for the Breast Fest campaign. His sister sadly died of breast cancer last year, but Tony's going through treatment himself for prostate cancer and he's done so much and raised so much money for prostate cancer. So I think Tony would be definitely up there. Tony Collier. Yeah, and also all the fabulous people that I've met through my charity work and people that have been with me from 2013 when I started this journey and have kept with me. I won't name them all because I'll be here for a long, long time. I think we should put Rick Astley in there as well. Oh, Rick, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) I keep thinking, Rick's really from Newton Lee Willows, isn't he? Yeah, it's it's, it's classic. But he's done a lot for Manchester, yes, absolutely. And you've got his phone number. Yes, I love you, Rick. I bet bet you're never going to give that up. Yeah, no, never give it up. (laughs) uh, So is it together forever? That's the one, yeah. Margot, before you go, uh, describe Manchester in three words. Full of energy. Full of energy. That's beautiful. Margot Cornish, thank you for being a human of excess Manchester. Thank you. (laughs) That was Margot Cornish. Make sure you join us next week where I'll be speaking to Steve Adderton, a.k.a. Adge, one-time tour manager for the Stone Roses and also known as the Fifth Stone Rose. Don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe to Humans of Excess Manchester. Rate us and feel free to leave us a review. We always love hearing from you. Thanks for listening. See you next week.
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.